I did something this week that I haven't done in years. Um, it's called manual labor. <laughs> I don't recommend it. And I asked Pierce if he'd get me a chair to preach from. Today. Thank you, Pierce. <laughs> we have done some you know, cool things here at Providence in the last decade, meaning we've seen God move in big ways, right? We've, we've prayed for things and then seen God do something bigger than we prayed for. Uh, we've imagined things and seen that God's imagination is bigger, and, and so there's been lots that we can celebrate. I say all that to say this week has been the week that I have been most proud to ever be the pastor of this church. This week. Uh, I don't know if that's an okay thing to be proud, but I'm, I've been proud to be your pastor because you have lived into this thing that we have talked about, which is a church that would um, rise up even uh, when the community thinks that it can't rise up. As Regina mentioned, so many of you have, have served, but it hasn't just been the organized serving. I've seen you, is what I want to say. I've seen you living out our faith, living out our vision, and I just wanted to thank you for that. Early in the week, Pastor Mark and I took some time to go into the neighborhoods to, to see our people and to, to see um, what was going on. And it's like every uh, curve we went around, there'd be one of those <laughs> brave, strong, known love shirts, you know, or there is hope shirt, and you guys were there. As soon as, as soon as you could be there, serving your neighbor, taking care of people, loving them, calling us over to pray, saying, hear, hear this story, and, 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 and us being able to circle up right in, in devastation and ask for, ask for God's help. And so I just wanted to say thank you. I received a message last night or a post or something on Facebook that I wanted to read to you, um, and it was uh, from a guy who was going to work over on Catalpa Drive, which is... Uh, right near Triple Crown behind Walmart that was greatly uh, hit, and it's where our afternoon shift of about 100 people went out, and he, he wrote this. He said, my friend Ray and I were sent over to Catalpa to clean up, and we found our friend's house and began our cleanup, very slowly creating three huge piles of metal, wood, and trash. The bad thing was, he said, that the piles were in the backyard and needed to be up by the road, and I told Ray we could come back another day with a skid steer to get this all moved. He said, we worked for over four hours with just the two of us, and then, he says, I look over, and there's this wave of people coming at us. He said, I mean, it was like 100 people. And I stopped and watched in awe as this wave of people made short work of moving these piles to the front, then began to cut and remove other trees that we had no hope of even touching the wave not only worked through this yard, but kept going strong up the hill. There was a new tornado that I saw today, a tornado of selfless people with love and compassion. So thank you, Providence Church. As Regina said, we're, we're just getting going. Uh, we're honored that the, the city and community is allowing us to, to be a part of what's going on. We'll keep you informed, and I just want you to know that we're going to do our thing, right? We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. Now I want to uh, share some things with you in my sermon for today, but I want to tell you this first. I wrote this sermon on Monday morning. I just want you to know that up front. I've made some little changes to it, but um, for however God works, um, I wrote this sermon on Monday morning. It starts like this. In the Old Testament, when the people of God were grieving and hurting, when the people of God were so sad and broken, not just an individual person, but a community of people, they would take and place ashes on their heads. 
The ashes were a visible sign so that people could see that they were saying, we're not okay. Everything is not right. It was a way of saying, at times, I have messed up in my own life, but it was also saying this life has just sort of messed up. So those two things together, the ashes on the head, were a sign of that. In the scriptures, you'll hear about ashes and sackcloth. Ashes and sackcloth. The sackcloth was a coarse, scratchy material that you would put on over your body. So you can see it, right? The ashes on the head were the way of showing the other people, this is where I'm at. And the sackcloth was a way of you feeling, physically feeling what you're feeling on the inside. So you'll hear a story in the Old Testament of a commander named Abner, an honorable man who was killed. And when David heard about it, he put sackcloth on and sat down. When Jacob heard that his son had been killed by a wild animal, he put sackcloth on. But again, not just an individual thing, but a communal thing. There was a time that a royal edict went out that all the Jews would be killed in the province in the time of Queen Esther. And Mordecai and all the Jews of the province lay out in the street in sackcloth and ashes. When Jonah came to bring a message to Nineveh that they had gone too far in their wickedness towards God and that they were in big trouble, it says from the king all the way on down, the people put on sackcloth and ashes. They even put sackcloth on the animals. They said, maybe if God can see this, maybe God will yet relent and show us compassion. And God did. We come today, I think, with some ashes on our heads, ashes in our city, If it was socially acceptable, maybe we would have done that this morning. I could feel it in the air, but maybe we would have said, hey, everything's not okay. Everything is not all right. Life is kind of messed up. And so what I think we need today, what I want to do with you for the next few minutes, is I think we need a Jesus story. So I want to read to you a Jesus story. It's from Luke chapter 5. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus... He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleaning as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. I want to just walk through the first verse I read you, verse 12, just kind of piece by piece. The first part says, while Jesus was in one of the towns. When I read that, I wondered, which town? Why didn't Luke tell us which town? When you read the book of Luke, you'll see he's telling us Jesus is in Capernaum. Jesus is in Nazareth. But here he just says, "Uh, one of the towns. It's like Luke forgot. Or Luke didn't think it was important to tell us. Or maybe Jesus was doing stuff like this all over the place. And, you know, as he's writing, he's like, it doesn't matter. It's just one of the towns. I'm wondering today, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I like it, because it makes me think maybe it means it could happen in our town. Maybe it means that if if Jesus was doing this all over the place, what we're going to read about here could happen even in our town. So while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. You've probably heard of this disease Uh, It is and and was a terrible disease. Without going into too much detail, maybe something relevant for us today would be to know that leprosy was an infectious disease and that when people had it, the community made sure they did everything they could to keep the people with that disease out. So when they would find out that someone had the disease, you know, the infectious disease, they would push them to the outside. They would try to quarantine them. They'd put them in their own communities because the community was so afraid 
that everybody would get the disease. This man, we're told, is covered in leprosy. Leprosy affected the skin. It could disfigure your extremities, disfigure your, your face even. And when someone was covered in leprosy, sometimes they were said to look like they were covered in ashes. So the man with leprosy literally was walking around like someone covered in ashes. Sometimes I feel like what's going on in our lives, it feels like it's covering us. Has anybody felt that this week? It's like, it wasn't even my neighborhood. I live on the other side of town, and yet this thing is covering me. I feel it. It's like uh, in my bones and in my heart, and my mind is racing at night. That's what it's like for something to be covering you. And Luke is careful to tell us that the man with leprosy had leprosy covering his body. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, I bolded that because, well, would you say that part with me just before we move on? When he saw Jesus, that's when everything changes. He's covered up. He's in a mess. He doesn't have to put ashes on his head. He looks like he's got ashes covering his body. But when he saw Jesus, it says, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, which is interesting because there's a paragraph right before this in Luke chapter 5, actually just four verses up in Luke chapter 5, there's another instance of someone when the first time they encounter Jesus, they fall on the ground. His name is Simon Peter. He's just experienced a miraculous catch of fish. Jesus is on the shore. He goes to the shore. And when Simon Peter saw what Jesus has done, he does the same thing. He falls at Jesus' knees and says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So what Peter had seen was this great catch of fish. It let him know he was in the presence of God, and he just fell on his knees. The man with leprosy, when he finally got into town, he probably wasn't even supposed to be in the town, but when he got in the town and when he saw Jesus, he falls on his face before him. Now, I know we often don't get you know, too dramatic or maybe physically dramatic uh, about our reaction to Jesus, and I get that. I don't think you have to have a physical uh, reaction or be physically expressive in worship um, to, to worship Jesus or anything like that. I like to raise my hand sometimes in worship, but it's not like that's a more special thing or something that has to happen. But at least I think we should take note that when people were actually in the presence of Christ, they couldn't stand up. That when Peter got there, he's like, I better get down on the floor. When the man with leprosy, he thought he was big stuff, he's going to go and talk to this Jesus, this healer, and he's like, ooh, and he's just like on the ground. I have noticed that people, when their hearts are open and broken and humble and know their own grief and know their own sin, when they come to Jesus, sometimes they don't really care about appearances anymore. You'll see it all throughout the Jesus story that people actually get on their knees before him. And so um, let's keep that in mind as we read that sometimes when you're broken and you're humble and you're grieving, you just don't care what it looks like. You're just like, there's Jesus, I'm, I'm falling down. <laughs> I don't care what people think. So why did the man in Luke chapter 5 fall to the ground? He was covered in leprosy, for goodness sake. His, his body was disfigured. He was, he was an outcast and ostracized by his community. He felt like Jacob felt when he lost his son. He felt like Nineveh felt when they were told they were in big trouble. And so he was covered in it. It's then that the man with leprosy does something that is significant but common. You actually just witnessed it this morning. It's significant but common. It happens all the time. Billions of people have done it. And that is he calls Jesus his Lord 
Mackenzie just did it. Last Sunday, we had eight people that I know of, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 56-year-old, all who were just people sitting in this church building who said, Jesus is my Lord. Isn't that crazy that the first two people that were told about that actually say Jesus is Lord is a sinful fisherman? Any sinful fish, fishermen in the house? I see you. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. Um, I see you. Um, a sinful fisherman and someone else who's just covered up in pain? The first people that were told um, say, Lord, Lord, fall on their face before Jesus. They said, Lord, if you are willing, the man with leprosy says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it's with that statement that the man with leprosy steps into this great mystery of faith and hope that every Jesus follower since has stepped into. What's the mystery I'm talking about? Here's the mystery. Jesus, I believe you can heal me. Jesus, I want you to heal me. Jesus, will you heal me? Jesus, I believe you can do this. I want you to do this. Will you do this? That's what he asked. Are you willing? He's saying, I know you've got the power. Will you do this for me? A bit more nuanced is sometimes we say, Jesus, I believe you can do this. I want you to do this. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you heal me? Why didn't you heal my mom? Why didn't the tornado pass us by? You know, we could, uh, we could talk week after week. We could never exhaust talking through the mystery of God's will. But what I'm talking specifically about here is just the will of God as it concerns tragedy and our own wounding. It's quite a troublesome thing. And we're going to wrestle with it a bit just this morning because we're wrestling with it in our community. The man with leprosy, I think, has something to teach us. He hits the nail on the head. He says, Jesus, if you are willing, I'm all in. You see that? He's come to Jesus. If you're willing, I'm in. So he asked Jesus, are you willing? Here's the deal. Hear this today. Here's the answer to that question. We're going to wrestle with it. But the answer to that question, Jesus, are you willing, is not in question in this story. And it's not in question in your story. Here's the answer. Jesus is willing. You may notice a little change in the, in the program. I, we put this together on Monday, okay? So there it says, Jesus was willing. I changed it. Jesus is willing. Today we're not talking about an old story. Today we're talking about what Jesus is doing in our lives. So Jesus is, Jesus is willing to make you clean. Jesus is willing to restore our community. Jesus is willing to pick us up out of the ashes. Jesus is willing to come into our town. So let's look at what Jesus says and does. To, this is how you wrestle with it. You have to actually look at what Jesus does. You can't just make it uh, be what you want it to say or make Jesus do what you want him to do. Let's look at Jesus, what Jesus actually does. I see that he does four things in this story, okay? The first is he touches the man with leprosy, which is not what you did with people with leprosy, all right? We are learning what to do when there's an infectious disease that we don't want into our community, you know? Suddenly you... Uh, elbow bump instead of shake hands, you know. There's different things that you do. And these people were in a similar situation. Leprosy was a big deal. It was a big problem. You didn't touch people with leprosy. We could, we could, we could get right over this, but this says Jesus touches the man with the coronavirus. <laughs> with leprosy. Sorry, I got uh, mixed up. <laughs> and then he says, I am willing. He answers the question. 
If you're willing, if you're willing, Jesus, right off the bat, that's the first thing he says, I'm willing. Jesus says, be clean. So in I am willing, Jesus expresses his will and intent. In be clean, Jesus shows that he has the power to back up what he wills to do and what he intends to do. When he says be clean, the man's skin goes from ashen to probably a darker colored skin because that was his natural skin color, right? And then Jesus says, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so here's the recap. He touches the man with leprosy. He says, I am willing. He answers the biggest question we ever asked. He says, be clean, and the power goes out of him into the man and heals him. And then he says, if you don't mind, uh, let's not talk about this again. This last one, I mean, this is what wrestling looks like. Jesus sometimes would do something only God could do and then tell people, please don't tell anybody that I did this for you. Now, they, of course, did tell people, what, is a, what does a blind man do when he goes home and he can see again? He's going to tell what happened, right? What does a guy who's been living out in a shack with a bunch of other people whose skin is falling off do when he looks down and he's clean? He goes and tells people, about this one, that the Messiah is in their town. But what this is, is often called in the scriptures when Jesus says don't tell anyone is the messianic secret, that Jesus kind of holds it a secret that he actually is the Messiah who's come to, to do what God has intended for him to do. If you read Luke, I don't even think it's hard to follow what Jesus is up to, why he's saying don't tell anyone that I have did this. I think Jesus is saying, yes, I can heal. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I did heal you, but don't go telling people that I'm just a healer of physical ailments. Why? Because as good as healing is, and man, is it good, as good as being healed from diseases, as good as your skin being made clean is, as good as, as, good as bringing sight back to someone's eyes is, as good as rebuilding someone's home is, Jesus came for something even more, more than your healing right now. It's hard to believe because we're right now. But Jesus came for something that's even more than what we're longing for right now in our temporal existence. Jesus cares about right now. Don't mishear me. Don't leave here today and think Jesus doesn't care about right now. That's why he says, I'm willing. I am willing to help you in this moment. I am willing to come to where you live. But clearly, Jesus was coming for something more than keeping us alive here on earth. The evidence of that is none of us are going to stay alive here on earth. And we've already learned that Jesus' will and his intent, he has the power to work it. Jesus was coming to break all the chains. Jesus was really coming to bind up the, the brokenhearted. Jesus was coming to, to heal our wounds and to, and to set free the oppressed. But he was talking more than just our physical existence. With Jesus, it's always right here and it's always way out here at the same time. Jesus does want to heal. I, I believe in miracles. I can attest to a couple of miracles I've seen just in the last month here at our church. About a month ago, I remember standing in the emergency room. A doctor said to me, he said, she will not make it outside of a miracle. And she made it. I've heard someone say in the last few weeks, there is no cancer left anymore, which is what we were praying for. I also buried a 31-year-old boy who was a part of my youth group in Murfreesboro. I also walked the streets of my hometown this week and saw it in ruins. All I'm saying is I don't have full understanding. There's some mystery in this, but 
I know that God wills that none of us should perish. And that doesn't mean you will be healed in this instant and kept alive forever on earth. That hasn't happened to anyone except one person. What it means, guys, is this. You will get a new body one day. And Jesus is the one who came to make a way for that. And that didn't happen in whatever the unnamed town was that the guy with leprosy was in. That happens in Jerusalem, and that's where we're going. It doesn't matter what town that the man with leprosy got healed in. Amazing event, but that's not the cosmic event that the whole world needs from here to eternity. We need what happens in Jerusalem. So listen to what Peter said one time, the one who fell at Jesus' feet when he was wrestling through the timing of God and what God was up to. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, right? We think, God, where are you? You're being slow, Lord. Things felt slow this week. We gotta fix this up. We gotta get this town back to the way it was uh, last Sunday. You're being slow, but no, what Jesus is working us towards is not just physical healing and physical restoration. What God wants is for none of us to perish And it's talking about spiritually. He wants everyone to come to repentance. The scripture that I uh, shared in my uh, friend Brandon, uh, a 31-year-old boy, I call him a boy, he's not a boy, who died in a car accident, was this scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, this is the earthly tent, that's why I'm sitting in a chair, right? We have a building from God. We've seen all kinds of buildings be knocked down, but this is talking about an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan. Has anybody groaned this week? We groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Now the one who fashioned us, here's the real creator, the one who fashioned us for this very purpose, what's the purpose? To be clothed in an eternal heavenly dwelling. The one who fashioned us for this purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The purpose is, you know, God didn't make you to live in this body forever. Actually, in the beginning, that was the plan in the garden, but sin messed the whole thing up. And so we don't get to live in these bodies forever. They wear out. We sit in chairs. It's not our purpose. The purpose was to be with God like in the garden, but it got messed up. So God made a way. He sent Jesus. So Jesus can touch someone in any random town and heal them of their leprosy, but that's not the deal. We have to get to Jerusalem. What do we do now, Mount Juliet, 2020? Well, God says, I've given you the Spirit. Whether you feel it right now or not, I've given you the Spirit. Well, what's the Spirit going to do? The Spirit's the deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Spirit is the, is the deposit in our bank that we're holding on to, and it's the guarantee of what we're hoping for. It's the guarantee that we are gonna be with Jesus. It's the guarantee of what is to come. What is to come? I'm so glad you asked. New bodies. No more physical ailments. No cancer. No drug addiction. No coronavirus. 
no tornadoes. Our town has been knocked down, but this is not the end of the story. We have the Spirit. It's guaranteeing something else. It's guaranteeing what is to come. It's guaranteeing that we have a hope, even in in the city that's been all over the national news, that looks like it's been knocked down. So that's why the church is so important, because we are the ones who come together and we look at each other like family, and then we go out into the neighborhood yards. And then we come together and we look at each other and we worship God together, and then we go out again. We can do this crazy thing, guys. We can praise God when God exceeds every dream that we had. We're like, got this dream for, uh, you know, a Christmas offering, and oh, it's amazing. We praise God in that. And then when our city is destroyed, do you know what we do? We praise God. We praise God because God has given us the spirit for a guarantee of, a time, of something that is to come that is more than what we can see right now. What we see with the man with leprosy, I think his question, Jesus, are you willing? Jesus says, yes, I am willing. But what we see in the man is he was saying, I am willing. He came into where Jesus was and fell in, and and so there was a willingness in him to receive the healing, to live that healing out. So the last fill in the blanks that I have for you today is just this statement, I am willing. I wonder, would you say that with me? I am willing. I charge you, church, today, that we would be willing to hold on to the hope of the resurrection of Christ, even in these times when it's hard to see and be willing to go into our community and carry that this is not the end of the story. The rubble that we see, the pain that we see, there is someone who can restore. There is someone who can make us well. His name is Jesus. He is our Lord. We confess just the same as Peter and Mackenzie and the man with leprosy, that he is our Lord. What we're going to do for the rest of our time together is um, just have some prayer time together. I invite you to pray. Uh, We'll have pastors that'll be in these back corners and also right up here by the stage. And if you just need prayer, um, we we also have some anointing oil. So we want to, if you have ashes on your head, we want to exchange that for you and give you some oil on your head and the sign of the cross. Uh, It's the oil of joy. It's the oil of blessing that you can receive today on your hand or on your head. So those pastors will be there if you'll come. Uh, Band, if you'll go ahead and come forward. We're going to sing together. Um, And I just invite you to pray in your seat. You can come forward here. Maybe you want to get on your knees. Maybe you're like, we're in the presence of Jesus. I want to get on my knees. You can get on your knees up here in your seat. Uh, All throughout this song and toward the the close of the service, we'll have those pastors there if you want to come and receive prayer. If you want to talk to me about confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love uh, to talk with you. So let's uh, come with hope before our God who has great promises for us, even in the midst of a difficult time.